Welcome to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast about comics and graphic novel news. I am Heidi McDonald, the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com. And uh, you can reach us on all social media at, at PW Comics World. And, uh, you know, leave us a message, leave us a rating, let us know how we're doing. Uh, this week, very excited to talk to Kari Randolph and Joanne Starr. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. So, uh, Kari and Joanne have just launched as part of, uh, Substack Comics Monday, I guess. Uh, but anyway, your new publishing venture, which is called Glass Eye Productions, I believe. Glass Eye Comics, sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and what is Glass Eye Comics? Let's just start with the basics. Um, well, it's sort of our own little imprint. Uh, right now we're just doing two books, uh, and it's a way for us to do something different. At least we feel it's different than what's been out there in traditional comics. We have, through Substack, uh, complete creative freedom, uh, to put out basically anything we want. Uh, and so we said we're going to do something diverse and progressive, uh, and uh, tell a new kind of story. Um, we're going to hire people who maybe don't get as many opportunities in traditional comics uh, and put it out there for free. So, uh, you know, that's uh, it's an exciting opportunity. You're making comics. Um, so, yeah, the first book that you're doing is Sirens of the City, which yes. uh, you both created. And, Car, you are drawing it. Yes, ma'am. And uh, so, and it's uh, just a dark urban fantasy about a teen runaway. So, tell us what it is. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is your so, department. It's it's a story about a girl who has a uh, a supernatural baby inside of her, and she's not too happy about that. <laughs> all right, so uh, that's it. That's all. Elevator done. All right. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on. <laughs> Uh, even before she knows it's supernatural, she knows she doesn't want to be pregnant. So even, uh, despite everything that's happening to her, uh, as, as the stakes get higher and higher and we see, uh, that this is, uh, a story about all the supernatural creatures in the city. There's all kinds of vampires and things that lurk in the darkness of 1980s New York. It's ultimately a story about uh, the freedom of choice and this girl fighting for her rights and for what she wants. Uh, it is very much a, <laughs> a pro-choice story disguised as a a young adult supernatural drama. So. <laughs> well, well, they did say, you know, you can you could write you do have complete creative freedom on Substack. Yes. But, 100%. Well, let me ask let me find out a little bit more about how you got here because um you know, both of you have been in comics a long time. Uh but you know, Kari, you are an acclaimed comics artist. Uh, I know uh you were nominated for a bunch of awards for excellence, which right, sure. which you did with sure. Brandon uh mm. Thomas. But yeah, talk a little bit about some of the stuff you've done. And tell us, tell us about yourself, Carl. Sure, Heidi. I, I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you the cliff notes. Uh, I've been, I've been in this industry for close to two decades now. Uh, when I started out, 
I was, uh, full disclosure, uh, an intern of yours at DC Comics. Did you ever come into my office? I absolutely, a few times, yeah. Oh my I sat God. on your floor. I, oh my uh, God. A bunch of stuff. Was I nice to you? You were very nice. You were okay. one of the nicest people at, you know, period at DC Comics. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I always have, I, I've had these before and I, I know we, we mentioned this, but I never really came out and said, were you my intern? <laughs> I mean, I was, I was everyone's in. Yes, there was, yes. There was a stable of people who were especially nice to me, and you were one of them. Oh, well, I'm very, very glad to hear that. And um, I always try to be nice to, I always try to be nice to the interns because uh, they've <laughs> gone on to do such amazing things, yourself yeah. included. So. And we remember everything. That's <laughs> absolutely correct. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, as you know, I broke into comics in the early aughts, uh, around 2003. Uh, and I'd say for like the first half of my career, I was really focused on, you know, Marvel Comics, DC Comics, trying to do everything in my power to like be one of, you know, the successful guys. You know, I really fought and fought and fought and I did okay. You know, I, I have no complaints about my career. Uh, somewhere around 2015, 2016, I kind of felt like my career needed to adjust. Maybe it was an age thing. Maybe it was the political climate. Uh, but I started doing stuff that was less about pleasing my editors and more about really making work that, uh, that says something that, that makes a difference. Uh, kind of trying to do stuff to appeal to, you know, different audiences, you know, whether they happen to be, you know, of color or different sexualities. I just wanted to expand my range. Um, and I started with a book called Black, Black Mass Studios, um, and which was a book that I was sure was, that could be the end of my career, honestly. <laughs> uh, it was so politically charged that I was just like, this is just, I'm never going to work anywhere ever again um and the exact opposite happened it actually struck a chord with people in a way that i wasn't expecting um and then it kind of let me open the door to, to doing more things like that and and the next thing was was excellence a book i did with brandon thomas uh through image comics which was also you know it was a fantasy book but it also had a an element of you know race relations and, and, and family and, you know, generational trauma and stuff that really spoke to me. And that also kind of, it went over pretty well. And I guess with every project I've done, I've kind of inched further and further towards doing stuff for, for Marvel and DC and doing stuff that's really more important to me that I feel like can stand the test of time. Do you uh, Oh, I was going to say, do you find the more you do your own stuff, the more Marvel and DC call you? Surprisingly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not expect that to be the result, but it seems to me like maybe it's because uh, I put more love into the stuff that's really important to me. But uh, the work comes out better, and as a result, they come knocking more and more. Right. Um, that's, a, that's a really great point, though, because... Um, well, I mean, from those days when you were sitting on my office floor, uh, and, and Joanne, I mean, we'll talk about, you know, your history in a minute, but, um, <laughs> you know, you were a teenage girl setting up at conventions and selling, 
selling your own little publications, but certainly from from the time from, you know from that the time when you broke in to now, there are so many more opportunities and so many different ways to do things, and yet there's always this fear or this this. There's a narrative that if you're not doing it for Marvel and DC, it doesn't matter, you know, among a certain group of people. Um, and it, it's, it's just not true anymore, obviously. Anymore. I, I, I do feel like there was a point because, you know, when I broke into the industry, I had a lot of mentors and, and artists and writers that I looked up to and they'd always say things to me that, you know, they'd be like, look, you know, you, you can't you 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 stand out as different so you have to be careful with how you rock the boat because if you say things that people don't like you could wind up you know just gone uh i i saw it happen a few times um i'm i'm thankful that i feel like you know at least in publishing the world has changed to where where we're allowed to kind of speak out more with with what we believe and what what is important to us. There's a space now that wasn't available uh, 15, even 10 years ago, and I'm glad we just have these opportunities now. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, well, Joanne, uh, you tell us a little of your origin story. Uh, well, I started in comics very young. Uh, I started interning at Harris Comics on Vampirella when I was 16, which is probably <laughs> too young. Uh, nobody, nobody should be yeah. <laughs> working on a book like that at 16. Uh, but I eventually made my way to editorial assistant um, at Harris. And then I moved over when Marvel Knights started uh, with uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Joe Casada. They took me over there to be an assistant there. Uh, but I sort of realized um, at that point that there wasn't there wasn't going to be a lot of great opportunities for me that weren't going to be marred at that point in time and you know the late nineties uh, by being a a woman in comics. Mm. Um, I, I think you know anyone who was around at that time, which was very much the the bad girl era of comics uh, understands that being a woman in comics was a very particular thing. Uh, you had to hold up, <laughs> you had to hold up that mantle for any woman in comics. Uh, and right, one one woman represented all women. You know, right. like you. And yeah, there were, there were so few, and. Everyone, everyone would talk about you. Everyone would know your sexual history <laughs> and hold it against you. And it was just a rough time. Uh, and I being, you know, very young realized that was just not my path. It would not lead anywhere good. So I made a turn, um, briefly into pro wrestling, which may not have been the best choice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So Just, a bold decision, yes. Right, out of the frying pan and into the fire. Uh, I worked ringside in wrestling as a valet and then started my own wrestling promotion, a women's wrestling promotion in Pennsylvania, and then realized I needed a real job. Uh, yeah. So I edited books uh, for a very long time, um, 
and I was just a, a regular plain old book editor, no pictures. Uh, but around the time of the Trump era and, uh, the world changing, well, you know, I don't know how much it really changed. It just got more visible. Uh, I realized I needed to do something. I needed to use my voice and say something. Uh, and I just quit. I quit my job and I said, it's time for me to write. I, I want to feel like I'm doing something. And, uh, here we are. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully yeah. this will, you know, do something. Well, maybe uh, I'm overstating. <laughs> Uh, listen, I'll just, uh, we're just talking about her comics publishing, but Joanne could dish a lot on many topics. I'll just leave it at that, but it's yes. her story <laughs> to tell. It's her story to tell, but somebody asked <laughs> her. A lot of stories. She does. Somebody asked her about her, her, uh, female wrestling promotion though. I'll say that. That's a good story. Um. <laughs> well, there's a book coming out about it. I can't, ah. it's not announced yet, but I have, there is a graphic novel. It's written, it's being drawn, it's coming out about the, my time, uh, in wrestling. Okay, well, that is a scoop, and, uh, boy, you're gonna wanna read all of these books. Oh, yes. But you're gonna (laughs) wanna read that one. I'll definitely gonna wanna read that one. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, there's, God, there's just so much to unpack in both your stories, honestly. And that's really one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on this podcast, is because you both have lived through so much in comics that um, you know, it's, you have to explain yourself. You have to explain. And, you know, just to be brutally honest, you know, I'm a woman in comics, so I've been asked a million times what it's like to be a woman in comics. But, you know, right. any, anytime you're not a white man, you have to explain why you want to do this. And, uh, <laughs> you know, pretty much. And, um, you, you know, it's, it becomes, you get sick of answering that question, but you go on and do it anyway because you, you love doing it. And, uh, you know, here, here we are. <laughs> I mean, Joanne, just to, to, you know, go back to those awesome days of the nineties, it does crack me up. Uh, you know, you and I are both good friends with Amanda Connor, who is one of the yes. top artists in comics of superheroes. And yes. she was in, she talks about it all the time, but she was in the Barbie ghetto. Remember that? She was only yeah. allowed to draw Barbie. Yeah. And I, I knew that just that was the situation. It was, there were only certain jobs. There were only certain places for women for a long time. And I'm so glad that that's changed that being a woman in comics is not a label anymore. It's just a, you're just a person in comics now, hopefully. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that that's going to last, but <laughs> it felt like the right time. Absolutely. So tell me about Substack. How did you get involved with Substack? <laughs> uh, I, I'll, I'll start with this one. Uh, it, it, it really happened out of the blue. Um, uh, Nick Spencer emailed me last I would say last August and he's it was an email and he's like hey man we should talk and and to be clear me and Nick Spencer are friends but like we're not friends who like email and chat all the time you know we're like industry friends you know mm-hmm. um and he emailed me asking me about Substack doing a Substack thing and 
to be honest, I didn't, I didn't take it as seriously as I should have at first because I just want to interject here. Like when you've been in comics, as long as both of us have, when somebody comes to you and says, I've got a new project. It's, it's a new company. I've got money. It's a new type of comics thing. You've heard that a million yeah. times. Yeah, you, right? you're, you're like, you know, you throw it on the stack. So you just don't believe it. Yeah. yeah I mean, I get those you don't emails take it seriously. probably like once a week. So, yeah. you know, it, it takes a lot to get me to, you know, take something seriously. Um, and then a couple hours later, Scotty Young, uh, he hits me up and he's like, yo, Nick Spencer's asking about you. He's like... <laughs> Have you, have you talked to him yet? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll get around to it. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, you should really talk to him. This is this is kind of serious. Now, I should tell you that, like, when Scotty tells me something is serious, that's when I know to take it seriously because Scotty doesn't play around. He's, he's one of those guys who, like, we've known each other for as long as we've both been in the industry. And when Scotty tells me something's up, he's, you know, I, I'm like, I, I'm like, all right, let me see what this is about. So we talked to Nick and he's just like, yeah, we got this whole deal. It's, you know, you basically, you have full autonomy. You can do whatever you want. There's no editorial control. You know, we, we give you a, an upfront grant to just create stuff and, uh, you're your own boss. And, and we own everything. And we own everything. And Which is, uh, m- many people may not realize this because you may have more book industry listeners right now than comic people. But in comics, that's unheard of, that <laughs> we keep the rights to the things we create. So Yeah, especially if they give you some money for it. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's literally the best deal I've ever seen in comics. Whoa. Um, so we were like, oh, okay. And then that weekend, because this was on like a Friday, we devised the whole idea for Sirens over the course of that weekend. <laughs> yeah. Like, we were just like, let's just batten down the hatches and go. Well, yeah, because I... I think a lot of the people who are doing the Substack now already had books ready that they were trying to sell other places. Um, but what happened with us is we didn't have a project in mind. No. Um, and the, you know, Nick came to Kari, but Kari's, you know, he's had some thoughts and he's very creative, but he didn't, he's not a writer. He didn't have, a script or anything ready to go. So in order to seal this deal, we had to come up with a project and we had to do it fast. (laughs) So we spent a whole weekend building this universe for a graphic novel. And, uh, it was, it was hectic, but we did it. (laughs) Well, how'd you, how'd you guys, I mean, you, so you guys hadn't considered collaborating before or, you know, this was really something that came out of the blue. We were working on another project, right. um, a very different project that uh, our agent uh, plans on shopping. But 
we didn't want to take that away from her. Uh-huh. Uh, so now that we had this opportunity to do something that had literally no oversight, it was like, let's do something new and different. And we just started throwing things at the wall. Um, and, you know, the first thing Kari said was, I want to do something in 1980s New York. And he, he wanted to do this kind of experimental style, you know, that you see in the art that's like black and white, which is very limited color. And we just built off of that. It's like, what can I do that takes place in New York in the 80s? So yeah. it was really, I've never worked this way, like, in such a collaborative fashion with an artist um, and it was really just a very interesting process how we did it yeah, it was it was really natural because it was one of those things where I was like it's 1980s <laughs> what if it was like post-apocalyptic and she's like it was 1980s in New York City that's like you don't even need to say that. Right. It was, it was, <laughs> that's how it was. And we just cut throwing things out. Like, well, what about this? What about this? And it just was very natural and organic. And by the end of the weekend, we had like a pretty fleshed out plot, you know, and like, and not everything was figured out, but enough so that we were like, we can pitch this to Nick and he's going to love it. Mm-hmm. And he did. Yeah. Because it's it's a, a full length story, right? It's graphic novel length, correct? Yeah, yeah. Because so it's it's probably uh, I mean, there's still some stuff we're working out at the end, you know, because he's he hasn't fully drawn it yet, but it's probably going to run about 150 to 170 pages, right? Because Car, you're not you're not drawing. This is the project that you're working on right now. You're not drawing other stuff, right? This is it. This yeah. is this is the project that I'm working on. Wow. Uh, nothing else. Now, here at Publishers Weekly, I would be um, reman- reprimanded if I did not ask, will there be a print edition of this story at some point? There will if somebody wants to purchase the print rights, which are available. Yeah. <laughs> you can talk to our agent, Tanya McKinnon. <laughs> that's T-A-N. Um, so, yeah, because I think that's been one of the... Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's been some, some serious criticism of Substack as a model, obviously. Um, you know, the fact that it is a platform for a lot of, uh, very bigoted views is also very concerning to a lot of people. Um, but it's really, it is a platform for all kinds of views, but, you know, some of them are pretty abhorrent. But also, from the comics standpoint, that, um, you know, people are like, oh, I, you know, they're, they're killing comics retail because it's not going to be in print. Now, I, I've talked pretty much everybody that I've seen has talked about how these comics will eventually be in print at some point. I mean, it's certainly part of the, you know, it's something, I guess, you know, it seems to be still part of the model, putting it into print. Yes. Um, well, just to speak to the the comics issue, um whether we did this in Substack or not, it was always going to be a young adult graphic novel. So it was never going to go to floppies. Um, so that's not something we were terribly concerned about. It was always going to be something that was shopped to the book market. Um, 
So don't be sad, retailers. You're not missing anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as far as, you know, Substack, we, it is something we took very seriously. Um, and we thought a lot about it. Uh, for us, uh, I think anybody who, certainly people who know us, but anybody who reads the page and sees what we're doing and how we're doing it, we made the choice to create material using Substack's money that will try to undo some of the harm that Substack has done. And we're giving that material away for free. And we're taking what's left of the money to hire creators from marginalized communities. So I understand that there are people who are still going to have objections to it. And I don't begrudge anybody for that. I know I have friends who we're not going to subscribe and that's fine. Um, but we're trying to do the best work we can to make what difference we can. Right. Well, this, you have a second project from, uh, that's, that you were announced called Away From Here, which you are also writing. Joanne, and, um, can you talk about that a little? Yes, that one, um, is, it is a Holocaust story. Um, I, uh, my grandfather is a survivor of Auschwitz. Um, and so, as, as you can imagine, there is, uh, a certain amount of generational trauma that comes with that. And I will just, uh, <laughs> I'm going to start off by saying this is not mouse. This book is not mouse. We'll take all those comparisons off the table. <laughs> mm. Um, <laughs> but, um, it is, it is very much, um, inspired by, informed by my grandfather's memoirs, but it is fiction. It is, uh, a probably a more hopeful story uh, because the uh, my relationship to the trauma and uh, the things of the things that come from that is that I believe we should teach children that you can be kind and you can also be angry that those are not mutually exclusive feelings so it's a story about four children from different backgrounds. They're in Vienna in the days leading up to Kristallnacht as, you know, tensions are ramping up and they're learning to find the commonalities in each other. They're learning how their friendships can strengthen them. But also, obviously, there's this, these horrible tragedies. Um, I hope that people don't find it too, either too saccharine <laughs> for a book about the Holocaust, but I feel that it is um, authentic. It's a, as authentic as it can be. <laughs> so. Did- did your did your grandfather I mean did he write a memoir or how did he pass these stories on to you? He did. He wrote a memoir um that he self published and is currently out of print and we are working to get it uh in a digital format in time for uh my book to be released. So as the hope is that as 
my stuff starts to come out, we'll have the his memoir available as, as like a supplement because I think those types of first person stories are very important. Um, so, you know, keep an eye on the on the site if you are interested in those types of things. Right. Um, well, certainly in the past few days, um, I mean, I, I put this up on one of the forums that I'm on. It is so nerdy, but, um, it is true. As far as, of course, with the, the removing mouse from the eighth grade curriculum and the Tennessee County, uh, you know, if you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you can possibly know. Um, obviously mouse is a bestseller now. It's out of print and, uh, you know, people are talking about the Holocaust. Uh, I, I feel like on, you know, there's been so much Holocaust denial and in these times we live on that just, you know, the fact that people are actually talking about this thing that actually happened again is, is a positive step. It is scary to me. <laughs> it, is, it is a little terrifying to me how much people have been unaware and don't know. Uh, because obviously for me, you know, my, my grandfather, he passed away when I was 19 and that's not ancient history. That's, this is, right. this is my life. This was, uh, I, I spent most of my life with a man who experienced this. Right. And even people who are aware of it aren't really aware of what the reality of it was. Uh, you know, there were times when my grandfather had to survive by chewing on bones that he found on the ground and he wasn't sure if they were human or not. Uh, and that's, that's what it was. Um, and, you know, that's not, <laughs> that's not what I'm putting in my book because I do want, as I said, I want to make things accessible to a certain point, but I, I do feel like, you know, you get people's foot in the door. And then you tell them, you let them read the first person account. Um, but yeah, it is, it is terrifying to me how much denial there is out there. And, uh, part of the reason why I had, uh, Gabe Batista, uh, he's drawing it under his, uh, his, his art name, his professional art name, Gabo, um, draw the book is because he's a Mexican-American artist, and at the time we started working on it, they were putting Mexican children in cages, which was, to me, I was like, how is this happening all over again? Yep. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts about all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's good to get them out there, and it is, it is pretty... Uh, yeah, we're living through a rough time, uh, tough time. Yeah. And, um, you know, the book bannings, we, we talk about that every week here on the podcast, so I'm not going to belabor it too much this time. But, um, yeah, it's, um, uh, unfortunately, uh, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is good people to do nothing. And we are all being, I think we're all being called on to do, to do a lot right now. I think, um, I think the call has gone out. Yeah. Um, well, on a more cheerful note, <laughs> um, to, you know, steer the conversation away from the Holocaust, although we certainly need to talk about it. But, um, speaking of good people, and uh, Kari, you also do, uh, drink and draw, um, which is, uh, pretty, you know, it's co comics and community, like getting people out of the house when they sit at their drawing board or day. Uh, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? 
Sure. Um, Drink and Draw was a thing that I put together in 2009, I believe. Um, I, I put it together because uh, I was working, I had actually left comics. Um, I was working in animation at the time. And it was the first time that I had ever worked in a studio next to other artists. And I noted that, you know, after years of, you know, being isolated in by myself, that there was a great thing that happens when artists get together and just talk about, you know, techniques and, and the things they're working on. Uh, and it kind of everyone lifts up a bit and everyone gets better as a result. Um, and that's what was happening to me. Um and we knew that at the studio, you know, we were working on like Ninja Turtles at the time and uh, they were, it had just been sold to Nickelodeon. And so we knew that we were all going to be out of a job in a couple months. <laughs> uh, so I was like, well, we got to keep this going. I was like, you know, I, I can go back to being, you know, a solo, you know, freelancer, but all these guys know nothing about it. So I was like, let's get together once a month in one place uh, and just draw. And I was like, what's, what's the cheapest place I can find that will, uh, put us up? And it was a bar. <laughs> uh, who doesn't want, uh, you know, a bunch of artists? Cause what artists love to do is drink, let's be honest. <laughs> um, and so I found a bar that was willing to take us up once a month, as long as we, you know, we spent a certain amount of money. And, uh, I'm sure that wasn't it. a problem. It was not a problem. I was worried at first because I was like, you know, let artists are not people who make a ton of money, but uh, come to find out, we will spend that money on alcohol. Uh, so uh, we ran it, or well, I ran it for about 10 years. Um, and then I had to relinquish it to a good friend of mine named Pumpkin Escobar. Yes, that is his name. Um, because I was just getting too busy with work. And the idea of leaving my house on a Wednesday to go drink with a bunch of people uh, wasn't working out so well once I was in my late 30s. Uh, <laughs> I had too many responsibilities, and it just became too much of a conflict of interest, let's say. So I passed it over to him, and uh, he is still in charge of it. Uh, it had to take some some breaks because of the quarantine and, you know, not the best thing to be doing, you know, during quarantine, going out and fraternizing and drinking and such in a confined space. I call it yelling and expelling. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, you know, once things get under control in a reasonable time, I think it will start up again. But uh, I, I really do feel like it's an important thing that artists need to talk more because... We're all isolated. We're all kind of in our own little worlds, and it can get it can get lonesome. And I think people need to connect. So I like being that kind of person that can bring people together. Yeah, um, I mean that is certainly true. We do this podcast. Well, since Omicron started, we do it um, virtually over Skype. But uh, Calvin and Kate and I started doing it in person again over the summer. And it was so great. It was so wonderful to be doing something in person again. Um, 
And yeah, I, I hope that's the story of 2022, doing things in person again. <laughs> Um, and, you know, going to conventions and seeing each other because it's really, I mean, Joanne, I, you know, I mean, I have known you since you were a young teen and, yeah. you know, I met you at a convention and, um, you know, you've grown up at conventions, uh, for better or worse. And uh, especially during those bad girl days, which, you know, boy, we should do a podcast about that. I, I'm, you know, that is definitely a story. Um, oh, that might get some people in trouble, though. Yes, that's true. But, um, yeah, we'll do it as the dark side of the ring version, I suppose. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, we all love conventions. And yes. and I think that's one thing I've, we've no, I've noticed is you, you know just like people complain oh you know so many cons and so much work but oh my god people really miss that experience of 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 community. I had been to every San Diego Comic Con since 1997 uh, until the pandemic hit, and then I obviously I did not go to this uh, Thanksgiving special edition. Uh, so I guess that broke my streak. But. Yeah, it was special edition. It doesn't. It doesn't count. Although I did go. Just, I did go because I didn't want to break my streak. So um, you know. But yeah, there, that's just that's just one of the things about comics. It's 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 very much community. Um, and I mean, I guess I guess Kari, it's like you say though. It's like people who are doing this solitary act of you know drawing and creating all the time they they need to you know talk to people who understand that process yeah we're 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 an, we're an odd lot and a lot of people don't understand us you know <laughs> uh so i i do think it sometimes it's just important to like to talk to share stories you know share craft tips and it really just you everyone's better when you have someone to talk to uh and i really hope that uh, we can get to a place where people can kind of have that again because that is one thing. If there's one thing I miss more than anything in the quarantine, it's just being able to see people and just Ugh. hug people and, and um, share a laugh. You know, oh like, my God, I'm right there with you. It's just, yeah. yeah. I mean, I did go to New York Comic Con and I had a great time and I did get sick, but it was just a little con, <laughs> of course, it was con crud. And I mean, I got tested right away, of course, and I was did not have COVID. I just had concrete from being around people again for the first time, you know. Um, but but until that, which we're coming, I you know hope and pray. But um, until then, we can subscribe to your Substack. Now, tell us about the structure of what you get if you subscribe and what the different different levels are. So, well, what we're doing is all the comic book content. All the pages of the books will be free. Uh, we want to make sure that as many people can read that, whether you can afford a subscription or not, the, the books are free. Um, there is then a paid tier, which is uh, $6 a month or $60 for the year, although for the first our first week, up it is on sale <laughs> although i don't know when this is going on air it may be too late by yeah. then um <laughs> yeah i think my sorry sorry if listeners you might have missed the boat on the first week special <laughs> apologies for that whoops but uh the the paid tier gets you uh a lot of behind the scenes content uh 
what we're trying to do is because we're making the comics right now, you'll see a lot of process stuff, which we think will be uh, helpful to young artists or young creators. Uh, things like, you know, how we do the designs, how we do the writing. Um, there also be something that I think is very funny. Uh, we're going through Kari's old sketchbooks. Uh, and finding all his bad old drawings. Uh, and then, he's gonna, yes, he's gonna redraw some of them. Uh, there's also just gonna be stuff from our lives. Uh, when we travel, we're gonna post, we're gonna talk a lot about what inspired the book, you know, our, my, well, my childhood in New York in the 80s, the kinds of things that we, you know, that we're into, you know, the supernatural stuff, the music, all that kind of stuff. And, Cat pictures. Um, <laughs> That's going to be the moneymaker, obviously. <laughs> yes. The cat that is uh, making me play with her right now while we do this interview, which is why I probably sound uh, a little distracted. Um, and then there's a higher tier, which is the, the highest tier that gets you uh, all of Kari's currently published uh, sketchbooks. He's got 12 that are currently out in the world, so... There are 12 digital uh, versions of that that come with the highest subscription. And then there will be a print edition of the art of Sirens of the City. Nice. So uh, that's what we've got. So there, so there will be a, a limited edition like uh, Sirens of the City sketchbook, in print. Yeah. Uh, oh, sketchbook. Okay, got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, well, cool. And that's, again, that's $6 a month for the... Uh, regular paid subscription or free to read the comics, which is uh, yes. really awesome, actually. Um, that's one of the things a lot of people noticed about this wave of uh, Substack announcements that came on Monday was that the comics were free to read. And uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff that came out. Um, uh, you know, from I like, I love the manga one, Manga Splaining, which is going to be doing some kind of. Um, Gekika. Anyway, unusual manga that would you might not yeah. n- you might not otherwise see. Um, so, well, cool. Um, very, very cool. Well, uh, Kari and Joanne, it's really great to have a chance to talk to you uh, for a podcast since I haven't seen you in years, and that's horrible. Yes. <laughs> it's horrible to say that I haven't seen you in years. Um, actually, I was going to say. Uh, the bar where the drink and draw takes place is Mary O's. Uh, Mary I'll just, O's. I'll just plug Avenue A and. In- Wait, Second Street and Avenue A. Yeah. Sorry, it's been a while. Yeah, a while. well, I mean, it's good to plug because Mary, who owns it, is so awesome. But uh, I did go there over the in the fall for an event. I don't know if you guys have been there lately, but you know it's turned into like a bakery, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you got this notoriety for this, these scones. And, uh, you know, like people kickstarted the scones to save the bar. And, you know, we had some while we were there, and I will say, they were really good. <laughs> <laughs> I could use a scone right now. Well, I, I could ho- use a couple. Oh, man, me too. Me three. Well, you know what? I hope someday very soon uh, we're, we're at Mario's uh, having some scones together. Uh, that would be delightful. Um, so, Kari and Joanne, thank you so much for joining us here on More to Come. Thank you, Heidi. Hey, okay, thank you. And it's, it's glasseyecomics.com. Go uh, visit. Yes, check it out. Glasseyecomics.com. <laughs> uh, because as always, there will be more to come.